We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. All right, guys, rolling along with our previews. We got uh, AL East opponent, the Tampa Bay Rays, and uh, my friend Kevin Kevin Weiss, who's from Locked On Rays, has joined us for many, many years in the past. Uh, I think we we took a year hiatus, but um, Kevin, man, good to, good to see you back again and uh, good talking to you. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, likewise, and glad that uh, the 2023 MLB season is afoot. It's, it's been a while, so it's good to have games back in the fold again. Yeah, it is good. We're doing the previews. We, we've we've done a lot more previews this year because of the uh, of the balanced schedule. We thought it would be a good idea to go and, and talk to some of the other teams in the National League and, and and some of the other divisions as well. So we're we're actually this is the first time we've recorded a preview. First time I've ever recorded a preview. Also after after the games have already started. So I feel like my mind is a little skewed at this point. I'm trying to trying to turn that off after three games, but it's very difficult to do. So um, let's start in last season. Maybe that'll help a little bit. Want to talk to? Let me tell me what what you think happened last season with the with the Rays. Obviously, you know if anybody was watching, you could tell you guys got got hit with the injury bug pretty good. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just your mindset coming off of last year and going into the offseason. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. Injuries, injuries, injuries. And that's kind of been a theme for the Rays year after year, but definitely on the pitching side and definitely on the veteran player side. And then tallying off of that, um, the offense or lack thereof. I mean, this team scored basically 200 fewer runs on average compared to the year before where I mean, what they did the year before in 2021 isn't a realistic barometer for the Rays as far as runs scored goes, but um, they just took such a huge dip. And that was, of course, exposed in the playoffs where over the course of, uh, I guess, 24 innings of play against the Cleveland Guardians that the Rays scored uh, a whopping one run. So uh, those were really two of the biggest issues for the team. And, and of course, as is always the theme with the Rays, uh, youth and trying to work in some of those younger players and those younger players who the Rays had expected big things from uh, didn't really quite materialize as had previously with some other hot young shot prospects, if you will. So those were some of the reasons. W- again, I mean, the Rays made the playoffs again, which even in the expanded format, 
Um, still nothing to sneeze at or sniff at. Um, I mean, this is a team that is now going for their fifth straight playoff appearance. So we, if you're a Rays fan, you've kind of been a little bit spoiled as of late. But yeah, a little bit of a letdown considering the team just won 86 games and was uh, eliminated in a disheartening way in the wild card. How do you think the the Rays front office approach of the offseason was? Because, uh, you know, obviously you guys have some uh, some people coming back from injury. So, you know, you could you could make the case that a lot of the guys that or a lot of the inconsistencies were due to guys that were not there all year. So you're you're hoping that the health uh, really does bolster a lot of the areas that you need to improve upon. But but Zach Eflin, you gave pretty, pretty good contract uh, to what are your thoughts on the on the offseason? And, and do you think they did enough? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm glad you brought up Zach Eflin. I know it's not necessarily Yankee standards or Red Sox standards or Dodgers standards, but $40 million, um, the, the Rays have never given that out to a player in free agency, the largest yeah, free agent contract. By it. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Morton is is the last big... Yeah, I think there was one um, before that as well, but I mean, that was, you know, that kind of tops the scales for the Rays. So they have really, really big expectations for him and believe that they can kind of get into what he does well and, and really take that to the next level. But I think the Rays were, they were shopping around. They were um, in the market for a veteran bat, particularly left-handed, but it just didn't materialize for one reason or another. So they really invested internally outside of the Zach Eflin trade. They gave extensions to Yandy Diaz and Pete Fairbanks and Jeffrey Springs. So trying to keep more of that core together that has been together the last several years and, and again kind of uh, banking on guys like Luke Rayley and Josh Lowe to step it up and Scott as you mentioned um, you know you hope that the Rays hope that guys like Wander Franco and Manny Margot and Brandon Lau can stay healthy for 130 to 150 games as opposed to 60 to 90 games so um, that was a little bit of the expectation there again I know that a lot of fans were upset that the Rays weren't able to sign or acquire a guy like Michael Brantley or Jose Abreu or um, even a, a Brandon Belt or going out and, and trading for, say, a Sean Murphy. Um, but there's still time. I mean, if the Rays, and, and again, I mean, they, they swept the Tigers this first series. It is the Tigers, so we can't really lean too, too much mm-hmm. out of that. But um, if they find themselves in a pickle of, hey, uh, Luke Rayleigh, Josh Lowe aren't quite getting the production that we really need. Um, there's guys like Curtis Mead and, and Jonathan Aranda waiting in the in the wings. And, and the Rays also have, I mean, they, they're known for their depth. They're known for their deep farm system as well. Uh, if they need to trade from a strength for a need and, and get, um, you know, kind of that, that power punch bad in the middle of the order of a veteran-esque player, they can go do that. Um, there's nothing to say they can't do that in, in May, June, or July either. So it was really more, hey, we're, we we believe in our core, and we believe that uh, just a byproduct of being healthier, particularly on the offensive end, that we're going to score more runs, and we're going to be able to uh, win games by a close margin. And because the pitching staff has been beefed up across the board. You know, we don't need this team to score five or six runs. Maybe we just need two, three, four runs on a game in, game out basis. You know, looking at your rotation, it's uh, it's 
it's sneaky. It's sneaky. Very, very good. When when you look at all of the the guys on there after seeing again recency bias here, but but um, he, you know he pitched well uh, when we saw him at times too. But Jeffrey Springs obviously just uh, just mm-hmm. pitched a, a terrific game. Um, was pitching a no hitter. Like the the guy has very good stuff. Glass now is out. You know, for an extended period of time here, or is it a ne- the next month or so? But once once he gets back, um, you know, with with Shane McClanahan at the top, uh, and you know, obviously the the new addition of of Eflin, what what are the expectations of this rotation? Because it does seem if Glass now can get back healthy and and return to a player that they think he can be, I mean, you guys have a really good rotation here, and and I think it's kind of flying under the radar. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's definitely one of those true one through five. And really, the Rays can go beyond that, too, in terms of, hey, if you need to turn to Yanni Torinos and maybe uh, Josh Fleming or Luis Patino for a spot start, and it won't be long before Taj Bradley, top pitching prospect and arguably top prospect in the Rays farm system, would be ready and available. But uh, it's definitely a rotation to salivate over. And, and one of those that, quite frankly, should make Kevin Cash's job and the coaching staff's job easy and, and really the front office's job easier in the sense of we don't have to play as many games of open or bullpen day and, and all this weaseling around. We can just, hey, just set them up and roll them and see if they can get through, uh, you know, five, six, seven innings um, at a clip and, and roll from it like that. So I think that's really, really um, a great thing for the Rays going forward. Now, um, I will say that, hey, it's it's the Rays. It is baseball. Pitching injuries happen. Starting pitching injuries happen. And um, if there's a little bit of caution that I'd throw out there, obviously we've already seen the effects of, of Tyler Glass now. But um, Shane McClanahan really wore down in the second half of last season. Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs, they were never accustomed to a workload that they were pushed through Um last year uh tyler glass now again he's never thrown more than uh, 110 111 innings in the season zach left uh zach eflin has had lower body issues throughout his entire career so um it's it's definitely not going to remain one through five like that for the entirety of the year but it's good to at least start the year knowing that hey we we're in a really 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 good spot here as it is um outfield is outfield your biggest weakness right now? It seems like the infield went healthy with, uh, you know, Brandon Lowe, with uh, with Paredes, with with Franco, uh, Yandy Diaz, as you just mentioned. Like that's a the infield is very solid, and yes. especially when healthy, as we're seeing in the first three games, what a what a talent Wander Franco is. He's probably the you know the guy that scares me absolutely the most in, on the on the Rays right now offensively. Um, but yeah, what do you think about the outfield? Obviously, Arizarena is there. Um, has Everybody's uh, seen him play in the WBC and has had such good success in high leverage games in the playoffs as well. But, uh, but the rest of the guys out there, what's your thought on the, the Rays outfield? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, what I like about it, I think defensively, it's really, really strong. And outside of Randy Arizarena, um, I, I think you're right, Scott. There's not a lot of star power or proven quality there um, outside of Manny Margot, but again, the ability to stay healthy is big. But um, Jose Siri, he has all the tools athletically. It's just about, hey, can you not strike out 32, 33% yeah. of the time? So it's, it's there's question marks. There's question marks with Josh Lowe. There's question marks with Jose Siri. There's question mark with, I mean, Harold Ramirez is listed as an outfielder, but he's, is he really an outfielder? So um, I, I think that's fair, especially there does seem to be a void 
uh, in terms of name recognition because Kevin Kiermaier is no uh, is no longer on the sure. roster now. You know, if I'm being frank, he was you know seemingly uh, unhealthy for you know half the time or a third of the time or sometimes two thirds of the time. But um, you would think that uh, your outfield would you know pack a little bit more offensive punch, and right now that is that is definitely a question mark. And same thing with you could even translate over to the catching position. I'm actually. I'm sort of bullish on Christian Bethencourt and Francisco Mejia and what they can provide, but I still think people, um, you know, they they go back and look at the the season that Mike Zanino had historically a couple years ago and uh, the great season that Travis Darno had. So they're really looking for that really nice offensive force um, from that side. But I think that Bethencourt and Mejia they can um, work out a timeshare to where they're at least both productive from a catching perspective. I mean, if they're both putting together, you know, uh, eight to 10 home runs and a 700 OPS, I'm, I'm almost satisfied with that. I'd, I'd be okay with that. But I know um, there's some in the fan base and the media that have brought up uh, question marks about the catching position as well, too. Yeah, it doesn't seem like, you know, uh, the, the catching position, you guys have had good production, but you've never really had massive names there, I'd say. But there's always been good production. And, and I think the biggest thing, is that the you know the 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 ability to work with the pitching staff, the ability yeah. to um, you know have that have that consistent backstop, someone who who knows how to work the uh, the staff in a way that the the, the pitches are being uh, called at the right time. The guys are very comfortable with the the battery, and that seem seemingly you still have that, which I think is such a you know such a consistent piece of what the Rays have brought because of you know the. You mentioned the lack of names. There's a lot of lack of names in the Rays in the past, mm-hmm. but they've always produced. And I think it's that continuity um, in the in the pen in the rotation with that catch, with that catching staff that I think has has really done that. Yeah, no, that's really important. And I think that um, there were again going back to Mike Zanino because he was such a a force as a leader, not only in the clubhouse but as that catching mate for the pitching staff. But I think that Francisco Mejia really learned a lot. And Christian Bethencourt um, has gotten nothing but rave reviews um, just in terms of, uh, you know, the the experience, maybe not in the majors, but he's he's been in pro ball, whether it's overseas or here in the States. And he's kind of, um, he's kind of put down more of a foothold as well. And he's got just a, a cannon of an arm to boot, but it's definitely, you, you really made a good point, Scott, because it's, it's definitely not easy to work with a, a pitching staff like the Rays because the Rays, what they do is um, they have so many different pitchers that have so many different qualities and arm angles and just uh, really, you know, throwing uh, the opposition off balance. And in turn, that throws a catching uh, core off balance too. When you have, you know, guys, you know, righty, lefty, sidearm, overhand, you know, one guy throwing junk, one guy throwing 100 miles an hour, like um, just the, the types of, of pitches that these guys are, are learning in the lab um, and, and being able to just block a pitch and stay in front of it is, is really important. And not to mention with um, all that the guys, all the relievers that the Rays will run through year in and year out. I mean, it's um, kind of like a factory in that sense where, you know, it's a, you know, it seems like every month there's a, a new name or two that's in the, the bullpen, whether it's, you know, via acquisition or via injury or uh, via a, a player, not really, you know, a guy has options and you can call up another guy. So, um, you know, you got, you got a lot of different, uh, a lot of different animals that you have to deal with uh, if you're a, a 
catcher, a starting catcher, or co-starting catcher for the Rays. You mentioned a few guys already, um, but can you can you touch on them a little deeper and just and, and dive in on the some of these young guys that you're talking about that either are you know have started or starting with the club or you think that are possible contributors this year uh, on on the Rays in the in the farm system right now. Yeah, no, that's a good question there. So, you know, there's been so much hype about guys like Luke Rayleigh and Josh Lowe coming into this year. And, and Josh Lowe last season, he just get a couple stints with the Rays, never really could figure it out. And um, my understanding is he has a little bit of a better mentality this year and has um, made some changes with his swing and approach at the plate that he believes and the Rays believe can take him to the next level. But um, and, and Luke Rayleigh is not really a young player by any means, but he's he's out of options. He's been on the forty man for a while, and it's sort of like, hey, here's here's your chance, kid. You know, you, you either take something with it, or we're gonna find somebody else to fill that void. Whether it is a Jonathan Aranda or a Curtis Mead, and um, I really like to pinpoint Curtis Mead. I mean, he's the top hitting prospect for the race. So if um, you know one of the big infielders goes down, uh, or outfielder for that matter, because Curtis Mead, um, the Australian born player, he could be. Um, called sooner rather than later to to fit the role maybe in left field or, or at third base or first base or second base. Um, he could really maybe move around a little bit just so that the Rays can get his bat in the lineup. But um, we've actually, on our podcast, interviewed him multiple times, and he is just... Um, uh, what we've gathered from him is he's just uh, a true professional in every sense of the word in terms of his, uh, in terms of his preparation his dedication, his talent, of course. Um, he just seems wise beyond his years at whatever he is right now, 21, 22 years old. And he's only you know six foot two, 180 pounds, but um, he's got a lot of pop, a lot of power in that bat. And he's got a real upright stance that uh, draws comparisons and, and, um, and harkens back to the stance that Evan Longoria had with the Rays and I guess still has uh, with now the Arizona Diamondbacks. So there's a lot of hype and a lot of um, excitement about what he can provide. And I mean, the Rays have more or less said that because they were talking about trying to give him a contract extension before him playing his first game in the major league. So there's already been, you know, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if there's, and they've done this with so many other players. Yeah, it's uh, getting very history. popular. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you have like less than, you know, 100 days of service time and, and you're pretty much guaranteed to be a, a star, superstar, all star, whatever it may be, the, the Rays are trying to extend you, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher. But, and it kind of started with the Evan Longoria contract um, back in 2008. But that would be the next guy. I would not be surprised if, you know, by June, um, he, he gets the call up um, one reason or the other. And um, I think he's like, I don't know about this year or next year, but um, just I think an average season from Curtis Mead would be, you know, a, a 280 average with 25 home runs. That, that's the type of player that we're talking about. And um, and what's crazy is that the Rays basically gave uh, the Phillies a no-name pitcher to acquire him several years ago, and he was on nobody's radar. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, the Rays acquired this. Uh, top-ranked prospect. I mean, he was really a nobody from Australia, like a true prospect, just a true lottery ticket, if you will. And um, he's in in concert with the Rays, really honed in and, and developed his skill set. His hitting tool um, is just tremendous. So that's a guy that um, I think that the fan base and, and everybody is excited for what he can provide. But 
Um, you know, if, if everybody on this roster stays healthy, you know, if, if Taylor Wall stays healthy, if Isaac Paredes stays healthy, if, if Luke Rayleigh stays healthy, if Yandy Diaz stays healthy, then it might be um, a little bit, uh, uh, it, it might be a little bit more delayed that call up for him. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You guys lost some uh, some some pretty pretty important clubhouse guys, I'd say, and veteran leaders. Um, you know, Zanino, who you mentioned, Kiermaier, David Peralta, who is is a fun, you know, good guy in the clubhouse. Um, uh, Jimen Choi is uh, another guy that's been, you know, kind of a, a part of the part of the stable with uh, with the Rays for for quite some time now. Who's who's stepping up in these in the in the clubhouse and really taking the the reins of of this team? And is that something that you're you know, worried about it all. That's a lot yeah. of veterans to to lose, especially with a guy like Kiermaier, who's been just such a mainstay. Yeah, Kiermaier especially. I mean, he's, you know, definitely an OG player as far as that's concerned. He was really the guy that, you know, he was that that voice, that spokesman for the team at times in the media. And then, you know, whenever the Rays won, he was kind of the, the party animal. Not really, you know, that's <laughs> not a, a right phrase, but he was the guy that, you know, got, got things started in the clubhouse and, and was that uplifter, if you will. And, I really don't know who that guy is or who's going to take that mantle now. I will say that um, Brandon Lau um, is trying to take more of that role, even though he's not the most vocal, outgoing type. It's it's more of that, hey, I'm I'm here for you all. If you have a question or um, you need a tip about something, don't don't hesitate to come up and, and talk to me. And, and what Brandon Lau has said in, in some interviews is that you know if he doesn't know the answer to something or, or something that he's never really experienced as one of the more foremost veteran players. Now he just texts or calls Kevin Kiermeyer and, and asks for his advice and then relays that to uh, the player, the person that is asking him a question. So he's really um, trying to take on more of that brunt, if you will. And then Yandy Diaz uh, more so with the, uh, the Spanish. Wait, hold on. He's still, players. he's still texting Kiermeyer that yes, as of spring training, he was still texting Kiermeyer. Yeah. And and we're not worried about Kiermaier throwing uh you know some sabotage away. He is in the division still, you know. This is, yes, I, I understand that. He's no, out the I, window at this point. I would I would have to think. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think everything's okay. It's it's probably just a quick ch- uh, you know, chat about hey, how do I deal with the clubhouse guy or something like that. But um, you know, I think these these guys are all all on good terms for the most part. But um, and then Yandy Diaz, yeah, from the the Spanish language side of things, he's trying to take on uh more of that role, and and he has you know some stability 
uh, with the franchise now, now that he got a, you know, three year, $24 million contract extension. So those are the guys. And then I would assume that eventually, eventually, uh, Wander Franco is going to have to take on some more of that role. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how, um, how comfortable he is with the the English players as of right now, the English speaking players as of right now. But I would think as, um, you know, the, the 180, $220 million man, however, it, it turns out at the end of the contract, the face of the franchise, um, that you might have to, um, absorb some of those responsibilities as well. All right, Kevin. So the, th- this team is going to be in it at the end, you know, they're, they're, it's going to be, uh, in my estimation, it's the Yankees, the Blue Jays and the Rays all, all pretty tight. I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think these, uh, you know, all three of them have the ability to not only win the division, but, but, uh, you know, take, uh, take the American league crown and, and represent in the world series. I think all, all three teams are at that level and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but what are, what are your thoughts on the division? How do you think this thing shakes out? Um, I'll get you answer that. And then I want you to get your thoughts before we get out of here on some of the new rules. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I've I've said I think it is going to be a dogfight between uh, those three teams. If I had to guess, just off the top of my head, the Rays probably finish second in the division, and I don't know if they're going to quite crack ninety wins. I would say you know eighty eight to eighty nine, but I think that they would make more of an impact in the in the playoffs than they did uh, last year. Um, so that's that's kind of my my take on that. Some of the, I guess the issues that I have is again, we, we have, we have to see these guys stay healthy for one. We have to see the young players be able to show and prove that they can handle it and handle the adversity over the course of 162. And then, um, with the, the new interleague schedule, um, you know, that, that means a lot more travel for the Rays. I mean, the Rays are going to travel as much as those West coast teams. Um, and, as much as the Marlins. So I think, you know, that could have some sort of uh, negative impact as well. Although that, that might be washed out just because you, you have fewer AL East opponents because of uh, the more balanced schedule too. But um, it certainly isn't easy to, uh, I think, travel, you know, 40,000 miles over the course of a season either. All right, man. I, I, w- I was expecting you to say, uh, you know, 96 wins, Come, come all staying healthy, but it sounds like you're in a realistic spot and you just kind of need to see it to believe it. You're, you're in a different place as a race fan, I think, at this point. Yeah, no, I, I always try to, you know, be as level headed and as realistic as I can. Again, I think that, um, you know, I, they still really didn't do much of anything to address the offensive side of the ball. So, um, just wishing and hoping guys can stay healthy. Um, that's that's putting a lot of pressure on some guys. And, and even a guy like Brandon Lau, for example, I even if he stays healthy, I find it hard to believe that he's going to put out 39 bombs and 99 RBIs like he did in 2021, especially coming off a back issue and especially trying to you know get back into the swing of of playing high level Major League Baseball. You know, I, I think the the expectations would be more realistic at 25 to 28 home runs. So, um, you know, I think some of these guys would definitely have to have career years um, for for me to see something like, uh, you know, 93 to 96 wins. What do you think of the new rules? What do you think? Uh, obviously, we've, we've played a weekend of baseball here and the, the you know, the, the time of the games has certainly gone down. The, the runners on the base path are way more active. Um, 
what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on on the amount of changes and then the you know the changes that they did make? You think it's a good thing, bad thing? No, I love it honestly. Um, I've always been one of those guys that hey, if you can give me a ball game that's over in two hours, fifteen, two hours, twenty minutes, I'm a happy, happy man. I went to some spring training games earlier, uh, you know, last month, and and they breezed by, and I was like, man, I almost can't go and and go to the concession stand. I'll miss like two innings. Right. I, I might miss some good action. So. Um, I'm I'm enjoying it. I do like the more action and activity on the base pass. So anything to um, to eliminate the dead time and when there's nothing going on, I think is a good thing. I mean, we're a hey, we're changing era. Uh, this is uh, you know we've we've baseball and other sports have to evolve uh, like we're evolving as humans. So um, at this point, uh, I'm cool with everything that's been done thus far. Yeah, it's funny. I I don't talk to very many people who don't like the changes, to be honest. Yeah. Like, you know, you have your your squeaky wheels, but for the most part, this is one of those things that I believe that baseball did correctly. And it's been a while since mm-hmm. we've said that about Major League Baseball. But, and they made a lot of changes. It's not like there was just one or two. There, there were significant amount of changes with a lot of different, you know, ramifications for each individual rule change. And, um, yeah, I think they, I think they nailed it. I think they, they did. I'm sure. Obviously, there'll be some adjusting, you know, as as with anything. But for the most part, I think that they really did um, take the root of any issue and 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 made a good attempt at, at fixing said issue. Yeah, I agree. And who knows? Maybe down the line, we see some unintended consequences. But as of right now, and I think um, it'll only be smoother going forward as you know all these rules are implemented in the minor leagues and guys are used to them for you know, three, four, five, six years. So when they get to the majors, it's not a, it's not a culture shock. It's, um, it's not, you know, trying to drink from the fire hose. It's they've, they're already accustomed to everything and they can just move in seamlessly. I know that, you know, if I, I would imagine if I was a veteran player who who's played the same way for, you know, 30 years, 32 years that I'd be pretty upset in some semblance, but uh, eventually just like with anything, um, you know, change is hard, but you eventually, uh, you, you adapt or die or you adjust uh, and you figure out a way to push through. So um, if, if, you know, I, I think it, it's been something that has been talked about for years and years and years. You know, you hear it all the time. I, you know, baseball's boring. There's not enough action. The games are too long. Um, you know, the, the Major League Baseball has made a proactive, progressive move to do something about it. And I think right now, thus far, it's a home run. We'll, we'll see how it plays out over the next several months. But um, man, I, I, I'm i cool with it because I, quite frankly, Scott, I, I don't have, you know, four hours, three and a half hours a day to that, dedicate to baseball. You know, if you can, if you can pare that down into two hours and 15 minutes, I'm a happy camper. Yeah, maybe I'm talking to too many people that actually cover the sport as well. And they're like, oh yeah, shorter games. This is a great thing. Yeah, <laughs> to, to get to get that different perspective, but yeah. Um, all right, Kevin, really appreciate you, man. Uh, wish you you know best of luck this season. Definitely want to see uh, some some good battles between the teams. It's always fun. I think more fun when when there's a, a lot of competition around. Guys, if you're looking to uh, keep a close eye on the race, give uh, give Kevin a follow on Twitter. He's at Kevin Weiss underscore. Um, Kevin, man, thanks again. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. 
We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.